you may be. Unless, of course, you may be all into this completely in terms of how to reclutter your homes. For me, the name Marie Kondo was a new name. Some of you are nodding. You obviously have Netflix. Marie Kondo sounded to me like a form of Japanese martial art until I, there's my wardrobe. My wardrobe was puzzled. Thank you. My wardrobe was puzzled, as you can see, by being told that it was a spiritual practice. And if you think it's a spiritual practice, that's fine. If you're puzzled also, please stay with me because we're going to look at something that Jesus said about clothes. Matthew 6, verses 24, 25 to 34. Let me just read them because they should also come up on the screen. Therefore, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you not to worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There's one word that crops up quite a bit in what Jesus is saying, and that's the word worry, anxiety, we might put it, around food and clothing. Jesus identifies our primary feeling around food and clothes as one of worry or anxiety. A couple of weeks ago, Will was talking about our issues around food, and I'm going to talk this morning about our issues around clothing. And when Jesus was talking in this way about food and clothing and the problems, uh, interior issues around what is God provided, why do we make such an issue of it? We have internal things going on within us. I think Jesus might have been thinking back to Genesis. Do you remember those first few chapters of Genesis where God creates the heaven and the earth and pronounces it good. He fills it with things to eat, to enjoy, and pronounces them good. He creates man and woman and pronounces them very good and makes provision for them in what there is given them to eat. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing is said in the first two chapters of Genesis about God providing clothing? Well, we can guess the reason. Then came an act of disobedience in which Adam and Eve chose to go their own way rather than God's. And the consequence of that act was shame and anxiety 
shame and anxiety. And they hide. And the reason they give to God when he comes to seek them is that they knew they were naked and ashamed. And I don't think the issue was simply that they had no clothes on. That's all about nudity. This is about nakedness. This is about shame and vulnerability in the presence of God and also in the presence of one another. Shame, anxiety, vulnerability. They were no longer comfortable with God and they were no longer comfortable with one another. Anxiety had crept into this issue because they were aware of what they had done in disobeying God's command. Sometimes the end of the 20th century was called the Age of Anxiety. There was a famous poem written by W.H. Auden in 1943, I think it was, about that feeling of anxiety in the world at the time. And that hasn't gone away. It seems to increase year on year. Certainly for me, the COVID experience has been a, an experience of anxiety. But I'm talking about an anxiety around clothes, which Jesus addresses in this part of Matthew, this end of the Sermon on the Mount. And we have these anxieties, of course we do. The anxiety around clothes, as Will explained, if we don't eat, we die. I mean, that is pretty basic. But it seems to spill over into something more profound. And similarly with clothes. So around food in our Western over-provision culture, we don't tend to worry that we have nothing in the cupboard to feed our family. It's more to do with, oh, what am I going to wear today because I wore that yesterday? Or something like that. And around clothes, as I say, what, you know, what is our anxiety all about? Clothes is quite a complicated anxiety. You know, there are, no, there are some cultures where little or no clothes are worn. And it's been argued that, in a sense, all we need in our world is one suit of clothes for our lives to carry us through. As long as we are decent and warm, what else do we need? But we tend to worry about these things. I can't speak for what women worry about in clothing, and I might be losing a few friends here as I try and guess. You know, that feeling of, oh, I wore that yesterday, can I wear it today? Is it still in fashion? I'm sure men have the same problem, don't they? I don't know. Um, for men, maybe it's, oh, goodness, am I standing out from the crowd in what I'm wearing? Do I want to stand out from the crowd? Or am I wearing the right uniform with what the other guys are wearing? I don't know, any heads nodding to any of that? For me, it's quite complicated because I'm, I'm not a great one for worrying about what I wear. I just removed my orange jumper in case you thought I was too showy. Actually, I was too hot, is the truth of it. You know, do I have the latest trainers, the latest gear? Jesus says these things the world runs after. It's called the fashion industry. And it's a big deal. The fashion industry is designed to make you want what you don't have and to feel inadequate until you're wearing it. And it's true for men and women, the same. It's true for men and women, the same. So how does it play out, this anxiety that we have around clothes? Sometimes it involves buying too much stuff and hoarding it, or buying too much stuff which we wear briefly and throw away. I came across 
information about a, a Chinese fashion house called Xi'in, which is selling clothes so cheaply that people buy it, wear it once, and then it's thrown away. And there is certainly time and a place for a wardrobe clear-out. But before I get into that, I and before I talk about what the deeper things about what Jesus is saying, I want to just talk about what we deal with the stuff and the fashion industry and all of that, because the fashion industry is the biggest polluter on the planet after the oil industry. I was quite shocked to know that. It's ahead of aviation and shipping combined. And 79 billion cubic meters of water were used in 2015 in the fashion industry, and 2,700 liters of water are required for every single T-shirt that is made. That is enough drinking water for one person for two and a half years. The fashion industry is a huge consumer. There's a lot on the internet about this. There's a lot on the internet. Half a million tons of microfibers get washed into the oceans every year. You can go onto the BBC website, there's a good lot of stuff on that and on other websites too. But my mistake is I tend to keep on wearing clothes long past the time when I should. And my lovely wife, Chris, will make a comment or two. I buy new clothes when Chris reaches the point where she's about to throw them out because they are so shabby. But I did do an exercise as part of a sort of a wardrobe sort out. I laid out my shirts and counted them. I had. 20, I had 13 ordinary shirts, I'm sorry, 27 ordinary shirts and 12 t-shirts. That's a lot, that's quite a lot. And I looked at my socks. I had 48 pairs of socks. That's almost, I could have a different color sock every week of the year regarding it not being washed. And what about underwear? Too much information, you cry. <laughs> I'm a hoarder of toys, I have to say. When my camera didn't seem to be working to take the photographs, my lovely SLR digital camera, my first thought was, oh, I'll have to replace that. Forgetting I'd also got a smaller digital camera and my mobile phone, perfectly good for taking photographs. Talk to Chris about how I hoard toys. Let's get back to Matthew 6. You'll be pleased to hear. You'll be pleased to hear. I'm really interested in what Jesus says to his worrying disciples. He says, God will feed you and God will clothe you. God will feed you and God will clothe you. I think I've missed out two slides, Daniel, of our little dog. Can I show them to you? Our lovely collie had to be put down in the summer. When I was sorting out my T-shirts, I had some old Chatterbox T-shirts, one from 2018. Our new pup puppy, Betsy, knew how to recycle my T-shirt. That's the photograph of Betsy for dog lovers. Sorry, Daniel, let's move on. Okay, back to Matthew 6. Jesus says, God will feed you and God will clothe you. And I was thinking, what did Jesus actually mean? What does that look like in practice? As far as the food is concerned, I was reminded of the time when Jesus' 
disciples had gone off into a Samaritan town to get some food. He was talking to a Samaritan woman. They came back later thinking he'd be hungry, and he said, no, I'm fine. And Jesus said, I have food that you did know nothing about. Doing the will of my Father is what nourishes me. And it sort of made me think that when we are engaged fully in doing what God wants us to do, the feeding issue will become less dominant. God will look after it. But what about clothes? How does God clothe me? What does that mean? What does that mean? Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve were aware of being naked, they made themselves loincloths out of fig leaves. God, in his love and mercy, made them clothes out of skins, leather clothes. God came along and made them leather tunics. What do you make of that? What do you make of that? What is that saying to us today? I really wrestled with this. I've wrestled with it. I'd like to throw it open for discussion, but there probably isn't the time. But let me tell you what I came up with, and you may take a different view. Leather needs to be worked and shaped. But before that, leather needs to be treated. But before that, there has to be a death. There has to be a death. Shame and anxiety in Adam and Eve were dealt with by a loving God in a painstaking way after a death. So how is my clothes anxiety dealt with by a God who makes leather smocks, leather tunics? I thought about the fact that my sin and shame and anxiety has been dealt with by a death of a saviour stripped naked, because I think he was, and crucified on that cross to deal with my sin, but also my shame. Wherever that shame is located within my heart, however much it connects with my body, physically, Jesus died. There needed to be a death to deal with that. As I went through my wardrobe, um, there were moments as I pulled out the clothes when I had all sorts of differing emotions. Some of them were, were, were quite important memories. I do tend to hoard shirts, as you saw. That lovely orange linen shirt that I bought in a little boutique in Croatia, I took that out and I thought of summer holidays in warm Mediterranean countries. Mm, they really did happen. <laughs> and I looked at that shirt and think, oh, that was lovely. Then I took out a blue and white shirt that had been given to me by a West African evangelist, I think he was Nigerian, at a Billy Graham evangelist conference in the 1980s in Amsterdam. I was there because of my involvement in network I was there with Ron Priest, some of you may remember him. We had gone to offer counseling to these wonderful evangelists from across the world that the Billy Graham organization had brought together. 
Can you imagine us Westerners offering spiritual support to these powerful men of God who were traveling on almost nothing day after day after day preaching the gospel? And this West African evangelist, as I sat with him and talked with him and prayed with him, at the end of our conversation, he took out a blue and white shirt and he gave me a thank you present. Think of the emotion in my heart as I took that shirt out. Very, very powerful. Because it linked into all those things that God had been doing in my life as well as in his. And then I pulled out one of those granddad shirts that were popular some years ago that were very stylish, but on this granddad, they just look silly, I have to say. And I have quite a few of them. And what about the shirts that I bought because I wanted to create an impression at some particular point? I wanted to create an impression on somebody I was going to be meeting. Here's the catch in this. If we are wearing clothes because we want to create an impression, we end up actually using our clothes in order to do exactly that day in, day out, to present somebody, to present ourselves to other people in a particular way. I want to present an image of myself. Why? If they knew the real me, would they feel differently? Why do I do that? Well, who am I trying to be today? Who am I trying to be today in what I choose to wear? It's not obviously the first impression. The clothes tend to be the first impression that we give as we meet people. And so we do tend to choose clothes on that basis. Or maybe we tend to choose clothes. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier on about this because we like to give the impression we can afford this particular clothing, this particular piece of wardrobe from some fancy fashion house. I went through all the ones there are online. You know, I, Gucci and Armani and Ralph Lauren and Tom Ford. On the Tom Ford website, I could have come today from the Tom Ford website with a rather smart biker jacket, and I think it would look rather good, costing me a, a mere 5,400 pounds. And over, that would have been worn over my denim trousers, a mere snip at 790 pounds, and under my denim trousers, some leopard print silk boxer shorts, a bargain in the sale at 235 pounds. People are buying this stuff. But what does it mean for God to clothe me? I'm not seeking to look stylish in some biker jacket or exotic underwear. I'm not even thinking entirely of those two chapters, one in Ephesians 6 and one in Colossians 3, where Paul is talking about the things that we as Christians should be putting on. In Ephesians 6, he talks about the armor of God, the breastplate, the helmet, the shoes. In Colossians 3, he talks about the virtues that we as Christians should be putting on. Humility and love and those things. I'm thinking back to Galatians, so to Genesis 3, of the fact that God would have taken infinite care in shaping in cutting, in designing that leather jerkin 
just to fit the wearer. Something precious, something just for me, which makes me sure of who I am in Christ, so that I don't have to dress up and be somebody else. God wants to give me something to wear to make me sure of who I am in Christ, so I don't have to dress up and pretend. And I want to suggest three practices that we might want to follow. It's entirely up to you as to what you make of these. The first practice I would suggest is read. Go to some of these websites and have a look at one article, whatever it is on the, the justice issues about clothes that are produced so cheaply that we can afford to throw them away. What are, what are the wages? being paid to the people who produce those clothes. What are the working conditions therein? Justice issues, as well as what we do with the clothes we accumulate. There's a load of stuff on the internet about that. Second, I would suggest as a practice, is to sort through your wardrobe and dispose of clothes that you've not worn for two years. I haven't got to that yet, I have to say. Chris might remind me of this talk in a few weeks' time. I did throw out a few things that were so shabby they just shouldn't be seen. And as you saw, our new puppy got to recycle some of my T-shirts from old Chatterbox days. So read an article, sort through your wardrobe, but finally, and this is the one that I just want to leave you to reflect on, and that is to stand in front of a mirror with two articles of clothing that are significant for you, whatever they may be. Stand there with them. Put them on, hold them, whatever. Invite Jesus to come and stand beside you alongside looking into the mirror with you. And ask Jesus what he wants to clothe you with in place of what you're holding. What does he want to give you that is tailored for you in your situation where you are now with all that's going on in your life for you to wear unique for you? It may be from the list in Ephesians 6 or Colossians 3, it may be something quite different. Remember, God does beauty. As Jesus says, he does lilies. I picked up that blue and white shirt given me by the African evangelist. And I experienced some of the feelings that I had around those years in the 1980s and 1990s around network and counselling and all that sort of stuff that was part of what God asked me to do those years ago and actually had to do some processing around that. God may invite you to do that with something. I wasn't being asked, I don't think, to throw that shirt out because it is rather a nice shirt. And I do love that association with that wonderful African evangelist. And then I took out all those robes that I bought 
when I was licensed as a lay minister, whenever it was, all those years ago. You know, the surplus and the cassock and the smart blue scarf. Rather smart. I used to quite like wearing them. Claire's nodding. You know, do you remember those days when we used to wear that stuff? Yes. And I looked at that. And I had other feelings about that. And I not quite sure yet what Jesus is saying to me about what I do with all of that that is, in a sense, really in the past. And the sense that Jesus will have something in the future. And there's still a conversation, I think, for me to be having around those things. So, read, sort, and stand. I invite you to to take some of those away as practices around clothing. And the one thing I really want to do leave with, want to leave with you today, if nothing else out of what I've said, is that God, for each of us, has something precious to give us, something precious to put on, that makes me sure of who I am in Christ. So I don't have to dress up and pretend to be something different. Amen. David, thank you so much. It's great. Um, should, we, um, should we stand? It'd be good to pray. Stand if you're able. Um, it'd be good just to give some space just to... Um, yeah, allow God to minister to us, really, and to kind of wait on him. I think it's easy sometimes when we come to pray to expect God to turn up on our timing like he's a jukebox or a vending machine. And, and actually, there's this powerful scriptural tradition of just waiting on the Lord. So we're just going to do that now and um, see what he says and see what he wants to do. Jesus, I just pray you come and meet with every single one of us. Draw close to us in your love. Make us aware of your presence that is already with us right now, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait on the Lord. invite Jesus to draw close to you. If you don't know what to pray or what to say, you might just want to kind of like meditate on his name as just something to send to you in away from distractions.
I wonder if uh, some of us, there's some people here who just, um, that there's an innate fear that if people saw the real you, that they'd reject you. And so whether that's with clothing, whether that's through bravado in personality, whether that's through just holding back in, in a kind of a shyness because it's almost like if, if you let people see you, you might experience rejection. I just wonder if that's you. I, I just think God just particularly wants to speak to you and meet with you this morning. And I think he wants to say the obvious, but it's the obvious that so often doesn't penetrate our heart, that he loves you. That you are beautiful as you are. That whilst you might be different from other people, that is not something to be ashamed of or fear, but something to embrace because it's something that he's placed within you. He affirms you. You don't need other people to affirm you. His word over you is is enough. I just wonder as we're sort of here with our eyes closed, whether if that's you, you just might want to raise a hand just as a way of saying to God that's me and I I just want you to speak your word of goodness over over me now amazing Father I just want to pray over those who've had their hands up I just want to pray at the deepest level of their being that they would know how precious they are in your sight. How valuable they are to you. Just come and meet with them now by your spirit, I pray. stay in this place it's easy to rush off but you know we need to stew and saturate in in his love because whilst we might remember it on an intellectual level I think we we forget it on a on a more fundamental level
Jesus, thank you for your presence. to worship in Jesus in song now as we kind of just respond to him like worship is always a response to his love for us